welcome. Welcome to A Resonant Life, produced by The Time Is Now Productions. I am Mike Thompson, your host and reflector in chief. Over the next 20 to 30 minutes, we will discuss experiences and insights about living a life devoted to uncovering our authentic selves and finding fulfilling purpose from the past, the present, and the future. To kick off our discussion, I'll share my opinions gathered from my life and experiences. Opinions between people are various, and we don't all need to hold the same ones. But it is fun to hear the opinions of others as it gives us an opportunity to freshen up our own. If you enjoy and gain insight, please subscribe and share. If you have questions, please email them. And as always, nothing we cover here is a proscription or a prescription. It is a discussion of life and life's internal and external experiences. So let's get to it. And hi, hi, welcome back. As always, thank you for joining me today. It is really special that we can share time to uncover and discover ways in which we can cultivate more abiding happiness in our lives, as well as plant the seeds of happiness in those around us and the world at large. These seeds of happiness are they're so desperately needed these days. Everything we can do, just, just forming the intent to do so in our hearts and minds helps. And when the world overwhelms us, as it does sometimes, times, times like now, it is a comfort and it is encouraging to know we are all working together to make this world better, happier, and more peaceful. Okay, does this all sound too happy, happy, too unrealistic, naive? Maybe you think so. And, you know, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. But for me personally, it really is my, my singular life mission to take what comes, to use what arises, to accept what happens, to, to, to use the upsets and disappointments and conflicts of life and flip it all over, turn it all inside out and, and change my own mind so that it can all be used as grist to sort of polish my heart and mind of the crud to become wiser. To, to see things not as positive or negative, but to see things as, as road signs pointing me toward wisdom, toward, toward, toward becoming truly a person others can rely upon, to becoming a more, a more effective agent of peace. It does seem, though, that the world is singularly aligned to sway me and everyone, you, everyone from doing that, from succeeding. And that, 
that onslaught is, is meant to overwhelm, to wear us down, to mute us. And I, I firmly believe that we become susceptible to feeling beat down, to feeling overwhelmed and powerless when we surrender our agency, when, when we accept the idea that, that we are too small, too insignificant, too ineffective to make any impact or to make any effective change. When we accept that we don't matter in the larger scheme of things, when we give up hope at creating change, of being a change agent, then we've really given up. And we are a victim of the trends of the world, for better or for worse. But we don't need to surrender. We don't need to be powerless. We are not too small. We are not too insignificant. We are not too ineffective. Because when we change ourselves, we change others. When others change with us, we change the world, bit by bit, person by person. <laughs> so I, I can hear your response. I can hear it. I can hear it. Ha, ha, ha. How can I change anything when I can't change my crappy job or workplace? I can't change my dysfunctional family. I can't, I can't change my messy husband or wife or partner or children. Right. Damned good points. Hard to deny the validity of this. And I guess these responses, they are good for me to hear because they ground me a bit, uh, keep me from being too high-minded, too pie in the sky, too whatever that is, because it is true. These questions point to truth. It is truth. How can I change the world if I can't even make myself and my own small world more happy and peaceful? This is a huge question. Can we put a pin in it and come back to it in a minute? So keep it in mind. Don't forget it. We will come back to this question. How can I keep my own world peaceful? Of, right? Okay. So let's pull back a bit. Statement. Me. I am not a believer in the traditional ideas and beliefs of good and evil. But I do believe that the forces at play in the world the ones that, that cause war and conflict, that, that channel wealth and resources from the many to the few, that exploit people as if they are tools to be used and discarded, the people and companies that release poison into our land, our water, the air, these forces fulfill any definition of evil I can think of. They are all examples of putting self before others. That is a force. Putting profit before people. Putting power before justice and equity. You get the picture. Looking, looking at it from a Buddhist perspective, these forces are 
summed up by what Shakyamuni taught as the three poisons. So we'll do a little classical Buddhism here. The three poisons, as he described them, were greed, anger, and ignorance. And these forces aren't something from the outside impressed on us, impressed on our societies, our cultures, and nations. They are forces that arise within individuals. They arise within people. They arise within us, all of us, to varying degrees. This is what he described as samsara, the nature of reality, the nature of suffering, the nature of being born into this phenomenal world. And this, this is really important to own this. It's really important to own this, that we all have the forces of greed, anger, and ignorance arising in our minds. One more time, we have to own it. We all have the forces of greed, anger, and ignorance arising in our minds. And they're channeled through our egos, manifesting as actions in the world. And they're often actions that are not ones that are causes of peace and happiness, right? So real quick, what is greed? Greed is want. In everyday terms, it is want that is willing to push, grab, and go first to get something. Tangible or intangible. For the self. I want, I go get, no matter what. Okay? That's sort of a general container for greed. So what is anger? This one's easy, right? We've all been angry. But in the context of what we're talking about today, anger is the emotion that arises when things don't go our way and when we don't get what we want when we want it when we see something we don't like or agree with that feeling that arises like that that's anger okay ignorance from the traditional buddhist viewpoint ignorance is not apprehending the true nature of reality and thus being enslaved to greed and anger rinse recycle repeat but, but I put forward, it is also, ignorance is also surrendering. Ignorance is surrendering. Surrendering agency. Surrendering to the negative forces in our world and giving up. Not believing that we, that I, that you, can make positive changes. So we have to work on changing ourselves. Taking agency and overriding our expressions of greed, anger, and ignorance. Easy, right? <laughs> Not even. <laughs> like, like everything we've worked on and discussed here, nothing is easy. Getting out of that rut of the ego driving stuff, getting out of that and doing the altruistic thing. This is not easy. It takes work. It takes commitment. It takes tenacity. And the Japanese have a great word for this. Furoshin. Unwavering. Patient. Determination. Okay. Let's put a, a pin in this one too. So we've got, we've got two pins now. One, how can I change the world if I can't make changes in my own world? How can I make changes in the larger world if I can't even make changes in my world? 
okay? Two, how do I overcome the force and drives of greed, anger, and ignorance in my life? All right, those are our two pins. At a meditation training I attended recently, I received some deeply inspiring spiritual advice that that really, really took hold of me. And hearing it was like like a flash of lightning in the dark. Boom, suddenly I could see everything. Just for a moment, though. And I've been mulling these words over and over for a couple of weeks now. And I want to share them with you here. And I've been struggling to find the best, to find the best context, to find the best way to make it relevant, to, to be able to make it not just personal, but, but also public, to make it something that's relevant for you. And I think the topic today is maybe what these words were pointing at. The, the spiritual words and advice, they were this. Despite the distractions of life, despite the many problems and crises in the world and the many other disturbing things clamoring for my attention, I need to keep my eyes on the Buddha. Do not let them waver. The world is full of problems and people shouting about those problems, wanting my attention, but keep my eyes on the Buddha. Keeping my eyes on the Buddha is the means and the way to be of true help and use to others. At least that's how I remember the words. So being distracted by the world's problems and conflicts and words of divisiveness being broadcast by politicians and propagandists and the media and nationalists, this, this is to be pulled into suffering rather than helping to pull others out of suffering. In a sense, taking my eyes off the Buddha will will lead me to jumping into the melee of the three poisons and becoming overwhelmed, inevitably surrendering my agency. It, it It is a bit paradoxical, isn't it? To act to bring peace to the world, no matter matter how small, I have to not become involved in the mess, but rather keep my eyes on the Buddha, on the path we are on. You could say, really, keep my heart focused on the Buddha. Keep my heart focused on the path we are on. In this way, I can succeed in bringing some peace being an agent of some peace, a creator of some peace, no matter, no matter how small. In the, in the last episode, where we took some of this on directly, uh, we uncovered four steps to dealing with all of the overwhelming conflagrations in the world to help overcome the sense of powerlessness. Remember, we were talking about the little fire hose versus the big fire hose? So these four things were, one, Recognize when we turn in on ourselves and turn away from others and just crouch down to protect. Recognize that. Notice it. Pay attention to it. Use it as a spiritual cue. The second, make a commitment to act 
to break that self-contained cycle, to turn, to open up, make a commitment to reaching out. And the third was act. Actually take action. Do something for someone else. Not just any action, right? Altruistic action. Do something selfless, something small, something easy even, just something that is out of the box, something that is just over the edge, something is just a little bit difficult. Act. And the fourth was cultivate gratitude for the wisdom that we've discovered so far and for the ability and opportunity to help, to be altruistic. It's no small thing to be able to have the mind and heart and willingness to to help others. That is something to be grateful for. That is a superpower to give thanks for. So this spiritual advice to keep my eyes on the Buddha, it's the natural next step in this process of the four steps before, right? And it, it reinforces my efforts on these four steps from that we described. Keeping my eyes on the Buddha, keeping my heart on the Buddha, it will help to keep me focused on others, not on myself. It will help me to remember that my power and influence isn't defined or limited by me being one small and significant human being. I am channeling and tapping into the power of enlightenment, which is, which is boundless. It is infinite. It is beyond conception. That's what we're channeling and tapping into. Another aspect of keeping my eyes on the Buddha is keeping compassion and empathy alive and, and energized in my heart and mind, just as the original Shakyamuni Buddha did. With ever-expanding conflicts, violence, chaos, and opinions untethered from facts, proliferating, it is so easy to become embroiled, to stake out positions, and then debate and argue and quarrel, and to break off with people, or, or, or to just succumb to being overwhelmed and, and go numb, or to allow frustration and powerless take over the mind like a dense fog, just that numbness. But with my eyes on the Buddha, all of this becomes background noise. Single-pointed focus, eyes on the Buddha, is how we can cut through and tap into something larger, deeper, a force for good. We tap into something that helps us to be open that gives us strength to stay open, that helps us to be able to reach out and help others, that gives us the confidence, the empowerment, the enthusiasm, the willingness, the joy to be able to help other people, even when we ourselves might be suffering. So all these negative spirals I've been talking about, I've, I've experienced all of them recently, getting bogged down in disagreements, arguments, agony over senseless loss of life. And so this advice I received at this meditation, it, 
it, it was perfect. It was so timely. It was so grounding. To keep level, to remain steadfast, to continue making efforts on our project of a resonant life, this is what matters most. The world will keep trying to pull me down and to pull you down. But we have uncovered strategies, actions, and methods. Actions that can help us not get pulled down. We can, in fact, rise and become forces of good. Forces of peace. Forces of help beyond what we can ever imagine. Keeping our eyes, our eyes, hearts, and minds on the Buddha and following the four strategies from last episode. Remember, recognize when we turn in on ourselves and turn away from others. Make a commitment to act, to break that self-contained cycle. Actually act, act, do something for someone else. And then find the gratitude in all of that, right? Gratitude is the wisdom that we've discovered. And gratitude and the wisdom for the ability and opportunity to help to be altruistic, right? Those are the four things. So we can rise and help and change the world we are in. There, there is another source of help and support we can also rely upon. And this will be a little more hardcore Buddhist. Um, it is a mantra. This mantra was shared by Keishu Shinso, the leader of Shinyo Buddhism. She has encouraged her practitioners to use it as often as they can. She's actually shared this mantra all around the world with practitioners and those who aren't practitioners. She wants everybody to share in this wisdom, chant this mantra. And you can chant it out loud. You can chant it in your heart and mind. It helps me enormously. It helps keep me focused and grounded and to reorient. And in a way, it's, my, it's the key to keeping my eyes on the Buddha. This is the mantra Keishu Shinso shared. Namu Shinyo. And she shares it with a repetition of five and with a little tune that goes like this. Namu Shinyo, Namu Shinyo, Namu Shinyo, Namu Shinyo, Namu Shinyo. Okay, what does it mean, right? If you're going to chant something, you want to know what it means. That's a quite fair thing. So that is a good question, and I will share what I understand. And my understanding is limited, so take it for, with a grain of salt. You might come up with your own and more deep understanding of it. The simple version is maybe, I cherish the truth of existence. More complicated or deeper meaning will, will be personal, depending on you, depending on, depending on the person. And for those raised in the Judeo-Christian tradition, sometimes namu is best represented by amen. Not amen as the end of a prayer, amen, but amen as the agreement with and celebration of a prayer. Amen. Kind of like that. Shinyo is often defined as ultimate truth. But, but what is ultimate truth, really? <laughs> 
I often talk about it as a, a concept that, that invites us to surrender to the infinite vastness of existence with gratitude for the life we live in it and the blessings of our lives. So that's big, right? Big, big concept. If you are totally non-religious person, like, mm, there's no religion, that's fine, that's great. Namushinyo can still be used, you can still use it. It can be like a prayer of grateful and joyous surrender. Surrender to the mystery of life and existence with gratitude for being part of it, right? Not a bad way to start. So with, with a joyful celebration of surrender to the enormity and complexity of existence and a shout of gratitude for being part of it, we arise as beings of peace whose light does change this troubled world for the better and does bring peace and comfort, no matter how small or little, to those who are suffering. Namushinyo. I am so grateful to you for listening. Without you, I wouldn't be doing this and working on these episodes of A Resonant Life helps me to move forward and to be an agent of help, kindness, and peace. As I hope this helps you to be the same. We are polished by friction. We all need each other to, to polish away the negativity and allow our unique and individual lights of joy shine forth into the world and to shine forth without condition. Light lands on all the same, without distinction, right? So thank you so much. Let's talk again very, very soon. Thank you for joining today. If you enjoyed what you heard here and want to hear more, please subscribe and share. If you'd like to share your own experience, thoughts, or ask a question, please send an email to mike at resonant.social. Theme music is courtesy of Stock Audios, distributed by Pixabay. A Resonant Life is from the Time Is Now Productions. Your support in all its many forms is deeply appreciated.